Disfavor growth. This book speaks to those two questions by exploring American incomes since the 1600s. A different approach with new data. New evidence helped greatly by four scholars. Information about the distant past keeps growing thanks to advances in archival recovery technology. The leading estimates of 19th century American gross domestic product, GDP, date from pioneering research in a great quantification wave from the 1960s to the late 1980s. 19th century evidence on inequality and growth did not advance so quickly, but the same quantification wave did give us new impressions about colonial American inequality. Those impressions were still limited by incomplete evidence on the distribution of wealth, property income, labor earnings, and thus total income. Since then, several new sources have become available that this book exploits. New evidence supplemented by some old sources that have been underutilized in the past. The new evidence did not appear by some official release of long-locked archives. Rather, it came from the previous efforts of several others. We are delighted to acknowledge their labors before describing our own method of extracting a new income history, from the mass of information they have patiently extracted. Our American incomes history has benefited especially from the contributions of four scholars. The landmark study of American wealth around 1774 by Alice Hansen Jones had already appeared by 1980 and launches our new income history in Chapter 2. Jackson Turner Maine scoured the colonial archives and delivered much of what we know about rates of pay on the eve of the Revolution. As far as we know, we are the first to mine systematically the numbers in his social structure of revolutionary America. Gloria Lund Maine, first with her late husband and then on her own, wrote widely on colonial American wealth inequality. Central to our Chapter 3, she has just made available, in machine-readable form, their rich sample of New England probates from 1630 to 1776. Finally, Stephen Ruggles, director of the University of Minnesota Population Center, leads the continuing development of the Integrated Public Use Microdata Series, IPUMS, which has revolutionized the use of past censuses. One of its many accomplishments is the set of 1% samples of the U.S. population censuses from 1850 onward. Our new history of American incomes reported in Chapters 5 and 6 would have taken vastly longer to research without the 1850, 1860, and 1870 IPUMS samples of individual wealth, occupation, location, and other attributes. Building Social Tables on the Income Side Armed with new evidence, this book applies a different approach to the historical estimation of what Americans have produced, earned, and consumed. National income and product accounting reminds us that we should end up with the same number for GDP by assembling its value from any of three sides. The production side, the expenditure side, or the income side. All previous American estimates for the years before 1929 have proceeded from either the production side or the expenditure side. Taking the production route, Others have assembled real GDP by applying fixed-based period weights to time series of such physical output indicators as bushels of grain harvested, pigs slaughtered, yards of cloth woven, 
bricks used to build houses and service workers employed. These weighted output trends are then applied to some benchmark year where the evidence is thick enough, like an early census, to build what are hoped to be solid estimates for that year. Here, the leading historical extension has been the pioneering work of Robert Gallman, who provided annual estimates back to 1834. Paul David used his controlled conjectures to push aggregate output back to 1800, and more recently, Thomas Weiss and his collaborators have used the same method to push the aggregates back into the colonial era. The second leading approach to GDP estimation before 1929 has taken the expenditure side, adding up estimates of household consumption, capital formation, government expenditures, and the difference between exports and imports. The production and expenditure approaches have helped support each other by using much the same data from federal censuses.